When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. First of all, I don't own any sunglasses, which I think hurts me for a morning like today. We've got a lot, dude. You've got a lot going on. Gambling, the future, the wolves, sports, Hanukkah. I like it, Matthew. Let's rock and roll. Mackie and Joe. We get things rolling with the opening bell. Want to ring the bell? Zeke scramble and Butler comes out of it. Oh, good move. Bogut tried to foul him, but Butler, that was nice. Gave him the slip. That was nice. Jones to Butler to town. Oh, oh, don't look at him. Don't look at him like that. Oh, I see you. Yeah, barbecue chicken. Barbecue chicken. Barbecue chicken. Okay, Collar and Doogie in for Mackie and Judd today. Uh, lots of NBA basket hoops yesterday. I basically just watched sports the entire day. I did almost nothing outside of the morning usual Christmas giving and the FaceTiming of the family. And then it was just sports and me eating way too many Christmas cookies. Uh, but something came to me late last night, Doogie. I was watching uh, Lakers and Wolves. Wolves doing pretty good. Gets a little close there. And then they take care of business. Throughout the game, watching Twitter... I would have thought that the Wolves had three wins this season because every Wolves game turns into a tire fire with the fans. This team stinks. They can't play defense. This player's bad. This player's terrible. The Wolves are good right now. They are a good basketball team playing good basketball. Can you explain to me why people are still raging like it was last year or the last number of years? It's an interesting phenomenon. I mean, it wasn't just Twitter last night. I mean, it was the TNT telecast. I mean, if you were listening to Shaq, Kenny, Charles, they kept going at the Wolves for not playing fast enough. Offense is slow. Yep. Correct. Yet if you look at the numbers, yes. Well, first off, if you just look at the numbers from last night, yeah, they ended up scoring a ton of points. If you look at the overall offensive numbers from the year, they are a top five offense. Now, maybe the schedule has done them some favors. In fact, the schedule has done them some favors. But the issue still boils down to defense, not offense. So I don't necessarily understand going at the offense. I think a lot of it, Matthew, is you look at the head coach. It doesn't look like he's having any fun. He has a chance to control the message on a daily basis. He does multiple media interviews daily. He has a chance to be more positive. It just doesn't look like they're having a lot of fun. Plus, many fans were sold on the idea that Tom Thibodeau was a defensive genius, right? A defensive savant. Right, you look at his Bulls teams. They were so good defensively. We now have a pretty large sample size of over 100 games of Tibbs as the Wolves coach. They stink. 
And you can look at a number of examples. I mean, I was watching Boston Washington yesterday on mm-hmm. ABC, and the Celtics did not play great defense yesterday. They're in a little bit of a downfall, having lost four consecutive games. But you look at Boston's overall defense, they are a top five defensive team. Mm-hmm. You look at their starting lineup of Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Kyrie Irving. You have a second year guy, you have a rookie. Kyrie Irving has never been known as a defensive star. Right. Yet somehow Brad Stevens has the Celtics playing unbelievable defense. Now it helps to have Al Horford. But why can't you get Andrew Wiggins, Carl Anthony Towns, Jeff Teague to play better defense? But you know what? 21 and 13, the third best start in franchise history, the fourth best team in the Western Conference, four straight wins. Wolves fans should be a bit more happy. That is my opinion. 108 points per game. They've got a positive point differential, so it's not like it's just been a lucky start. And even if they do face some of these better teams, that might create some awesome games for us if they're scoring a lot of points. Uh, even if you you know you face off with the Rockets or you face off with the Warriors and you don't win those games because you are not on the same level as those teams. But you look at the rest of the Western Conference, tell me who else they're they're not on the same level as. I mean, I think that they can beat the Spurs. Uh, you know, With Kawhi Leonard coming back, that makes it a little more difficult, so I would probably put the Spurs ahead of them still. You, But it's only the elite teams that you would say are decidedly better. And unless you are Golden State or unless you are Houston, yeah, every once in a while you're going to pull a game where you lose to the Phoenix Suns. I mean, that, that does happen over 82 games. So, but it, there's almost this feeling that we're treating every single Wolves game like it's a football game where you, where we just break down every mm-hmm. single minute of every game. And if you have a bad loss, it's a disaster and it's going down. And Tibbs is not a likable figure here in this town. And maybe it's because he doesn't seem to show any softer side. Like with Mike Zimmer, Mike Zimmer has this hard sort of I'm a grindy, worky guy. I'm real tough. I'm tough football. But he also shows when he talks about like Teddy Bridgewater and he says he loves Teddy or he tells a little funny story about tying Teddy's shoes when his leg was hurt or something. He has that ability to kind of open a little window to be like, ah, he's a big softy, isn't he? He's a tough football guy. I mean, he's a, he like can relate some to the fans a little bit in that way where Tibbs is just so hardcore basketball all the time. Everything is basketball all the time. Even with someone like Bruce Boudreaux, a a classic hockey guy, but with his rants where he'll go off on the team, I think people love that too. Tibbs won't even go there either. He won't even go off on the team. He'll just give you straight hardcore basketball, and I think that that makes him easier to be a punching bag. And and your point about the defense is 100% right. If you expect someone to be the big defensive guy and you're winning by outscoring your opponents with your offense, then you're immediately going to say, well, what's wrong with this coach? Well, I think what's wrong with this coach is the construction of the roster doesn't really fit what he wants to do. This isn't a team that has like a Joaquin Noah of, you know, what he had in Chicago. And it takes some time, right? I mean, they've had two off seasons. They swung and missed on some free agents. A year ago, didn't want to overpay a Luol Dang. They actually offered Pau Gasol a bunch of money. He went to San Antonio. They reconstructed the roster last summer, and they'll be handcuffed moving forward, salary cap-wise, but they have some pieces they could move. And I continue to tell people, I think they will be active as we get closer to the trade deadline in February. So this is not the final roster. And I have to keep reminding people, we haven't had playoff basketball here in 13 years. I had a guy reach out to me on Twitter the other day and say, this is one of the least enjoyable Wolf seasons he can remember. Are you <laughs> bleeping kidding me? 
I mean, come on. I mean, you think about David Kahn, Kurt Rambis, my guy Randy Whitman, go up and down the list. Jimmy Rogers, some of those teams. Give me a break. This team is eight games over 500. And I'm telling you, they've had a bunch of breaks along the way. Lonzo Ball doesn't play last night. Brandon Ingram doesn't play last night. Devin Booker doesn't play the other day. Gary Harris Jr. is out for Denver last week. They won in Miami earlier in the season. Hassan Whiteside was out. They beat Utah without Rudy Gobert. They beat the Clippers twice without Blake Griffin. You know, they played the Spurs. They beat the Spurs earlier in the year. No Kawhi Leonard. Right. They've caught some breaks. And the rest of the way, they have one of the toughest schedules in the NBA. I'm telling you, the schedule has done them favor so far. But enjoy it. Now, on Tibbs, you're right. I mean, even think about it with Zimmer. We've peeled back the personal layer. Mm -hmm. You know, us in the Channel 5 Sports Department, my colleague, my boss, Joe Schmidt, spent a full day at the Zimmer Ranch in Kentucky in July. Trust me. The stories off camera, even the stories on camera about the tree he planted for his late wife. You know, just you get to know Mike. He's cut open a vein. If you get to know him, trust me, you hear those personal stories. Same goes for Bruce Boudreaux. There's been instances where we've peeled back that personal layer. Nobody has come close to peeling back the personal layer of one Tom (laughs) Thibodeau. I had him on the podcast about three or four days after he got the job. We talked a bit about his personal life. You know, being a good uncle, a family man, even though he's not married. Mm -hmm. He was engaged at one point, but never been married. No kids. But that was it. Otherwise, we've never gone personal life, you know, down that road with Tibbs. It's always basketball. And yeah, I mean, I think you need to get to know a guy, especially when you consider just a couple years ago, the leader of the Wolves, Flip Saunders, was the ultimate open Mm -hmm. book. Mm -hmm. We all knew everything about Flip. So you think about how high the bar was raised with that franchise, with the leader. Flip Saunders just a couple years ago. Now where it is, I'm telling you, I think that has a direct impact on why a lot of fans are upset. Two things real quick, and we can get it more into these later in the show, and then I uh, want to switch to the football game last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, how would you grade the Timberwolves so far, and how do you predict that the second half is going to play out in terms of like a record where they finish? I don't think they finish fourth in the Western Conference. That's where they are today. I think it's more like six. Maybe seven, who mm-hmm. knows, maybe five, but I don't think they finished top four. But they are going to the playoffs. They are going to the playoffs, presuming health. You know, if Jimmy Butler rips up his knee tomorrow night at Target Center against Denver, all bets are off. But presuming health, and who knows with the way Tibbs plays his starters, but presuming health, they are going to the playoffs. My grade so far, B, B plus, just because I expected after 82 games of last year that these guys would play better defense, that there are times. I mean, you can see the frustration on the court. You have to be wondering at times, what is Jimmy Butler thinking? Mm-hmm. Watching the lack of effort from Carl Anthony Towns, from Andrew Wiggins. You know, heck, I can tell you I know one guy in that team that thinks Tyus Jones should play a lot more. Watching last night's game, the offense flows so much better with Tyus Jones in at point guard. Yet Tibbs won't play him that much. You know, Jeff Teague misses a handful of games a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. You know, Tyus starts, plays 30-plus minutes. Then that first game that Jeff T came back, Tyus goes back to playing like 11 minutes, 12 minutes. I mean, come on. Gorgie Jang can be a useful player. He isn't playing well this year, but I still think he's a really good pick-and-roll defender. There are pluses to Gorgie Jang's game. You're paying him a ton of money. Play him. Jamal Crawford has been really good for the last couple weeks. You told him you would play him the minutes he played in Los Angeles the last couple years, 25, 26 minutes a night. Start doing that on a more regular basis. Use your bench. 
but I would say B, B plus overall. I mean, yeah, heck, I, eight games over 500, that's fine. That's I, plenty fine. I'm exactly in the same place. B was exactly where I was thinking. Like, there are complaints to be had. There are criticisms to be had. And, uh, you know, Tibbs got a little defensive maybe a week or two ago about those complaints with how the minutes are distributed. But the overall record is about where I thought it would be. I didn't think that they would blow the doors off everybody and be 25 and five or, or something through the first 30 games. And there are still uh, adjustments to be had. Uh, so I just think it's like, okay, it's a B it's not an F like it was last year. So take, take, take it down a notch and let's see where the season goes as opposed to the rage festival. But then again, I will say that if there's a rage festival, every game, that means people are invested and that's nice to see from that standpoint because by the middle of last year it was like I didn't see anything. There'd be a Wolves game on and I wouldn't I wouldn't know. All right, let's get to some what happened last night in football. With three seconds to go, this could be the final play of a dramatic night for the Eagles. And the gun is Carr. Five receivers. Carr back. Carr dumps it over the middle. Running with the football and lateraling it back and forth. Finally, it is fumbled. And running in is Derek Bordet for the touchdown. I am jealous of people who have that sort of announcer man voice. Three seconds remaining to go in the football contest. Good for him. Um, he's a legend. Merrill Reese, I mean, he's one of the all-timers. Like, you can put him in the Hall of Fame. I mean, he is right up there. Not a household name here in the Twin Cities. But from being from out east, having a lot of relatives in the Philadelphia area, I mean, heck, anywhere out east, you know who Merrill Reese is. He is really good. The uh, the the older school style, like, it just sticks out right away, and then you like when you hear it. Um, so the Eagles clinched the number one seed last night. If the Vikings win against the Bears on Sunday, then they get the number two seed, and that's a really great spot for the Vikings because you get to play at U.S. Bank Stadium uh, I've got an article on our website about the big difference between when the Vikings play at U.S. Bank Stadium and away. Their numbers are better across the board, as most teams would be, but they're really good. They're 11-4 and four in their last 15 games at U.S. Bank. But last night's game made me think more about gambling, Doogie, because at the, the moment that that play happens, that Dave Harrigan just played, of course, everyone runs to find out what the line was. Oh, is that going to be a bad beat? That's that if you if you missed the game last night, it was on late. Uh, you know they do the lateral thing, and then it's picked up by the Eagles, and they run it in for a touchdown to make it 19 to 10. They elect not to kick the extra point. Now I saw different reports on that. That some people said the line was 10, and others said the line was nine. So I I don't know uh, maybe different sites or whoever you go to to find that out. Um, so you might be mad at Doug Peterson that he didn't kick the extra point to make it 10, or you may have won or lost on that random play at the end. It, it made me think, Doogie, that, that sports gambling is just such an open conversation now that there is no reason that we should not have it legal and organized and have places you can go around the corner to go place bets on professional sports. And it seems like that's coming. I don't know. You think it's coming? I think so. Yeah. Ooh. I mean, Scott Van Pelt on his show has the bad beat thing where he goes through the lines. Oh, and, I get that. I, mean, I get the injury report in the National Football League. I get all that. I'm not convinced. I mean, I would have told you, Matthew, 10 years ago it was coming. You know, that we could go down the street, you know, just like running across the street here. If we need to run over to Super America for a Slurpee. <laughs> that, no, seriously, that we could run across yeah, the street yeah, yeah. here on University Avenue yeah. 
and go place a bet. I would have told you that 10 years ago. So I'm not convinced it's coming to that extent. Should it? Yes. Why not? If it can be regulated, if it can be taxed, why the heck not? I mean, it reminds me so much of marijuana and how we've treated it in this country for a really long time. It was just, it's illegal and you'll get arrested and cops are chasing down teenagers in parking lots and everything. And then eventually, at some point, and I don't know what day or year it happened, everyone sort of went, yeah, that's real. no, not that big of a deal. And then a state legalized it, then a couple other states re- legalized it, and they didn't collapse and then, you know, the other states that didn't legalize it kind of look at it as, and eh, no big deal, as long as you're not some massive distributor or something like that. I think we should look at sports gambling the same way. Maybe you don't have to set up the sports gambling symposium across the street, but also maybe you could allow Americans to make websites where people can go and gamble on sports based on the lines, or you could have Las Vegas go digital And instead of having to go to Las Vegas and place your bet, you could make it so anyone can just go to the casino's websites and make their bets there. I don't know if that, I don't know if you can do that now, but I would assume that you can't, right? I'm not a sports gambler. I have never gambled on sports. And I think that anyone in the sports media shouldn't because we have to cover these games. Uh, But I mean, maybe your own team, I don't know if you were betting on uh, Duke, North Carolina, maybe it'd be different. Um, But as far as what fans do, they're already doing this all the time. And if I wanted to bet on last night's game, I could have done it on my computer in two seconds. So why don't we just, why don't we, like you said, regulate it a bit and make it more accessible to everybody who wants to do it and make it kind of your own decision. You've sold me. Let's go find our legislators. Let's get this done. I mean, heck, Mystic Lake is, for most people, you know, if you're in the, you know, Main circle of the metropolitan area, you know, a 20 to 25 minute drive, maybe a little bit more. Not a ridiculous drive. Canterbury Park. You know, if I want to bet on some horse races at Canterbury, instead of having to go to Shakopee, why couldn't I go to, you know, someplace next to the local gas station here in St. Paul or in downtown Minneapolis? Are you named somewhere in the in the inner ring of the Twin Cities metropolitan area? I mean, heck, if it's if it's right there anyway. So I'm with you. I mean, I wouldn't know all the rules. I mean, heck. You know, uh, how they would regulate it, how they would tax it, all that. But yes, on the surface, without digging deep, I'm not doing a deep dive here on it, but just on the surface, if you're asking me, should sports gambling be legalized? Yes, absolutely. Collar and Doogie in for Mackie and Judd. I'm going to ask Kevin Seifert, who's coming on 930, his take on where that might go uh, in terms of the future. And uh, Adam Silver, the commissioner of the NBA, has alluded to it a number of times that he thinks it should be started a uh, part of the future. Also, we're going to get into the future of the Minnesota sports franchises and where we stand heading into the new year. And I would love to get some people on Twitter or on the phones to make their future predictions for 2018. What are we going to see in 2018? Look into the crystal ball. And I think that starts with the quarterback situation. But let's let's talk a little more about this gambling thing when we come back. Collar and Doogie in for Mackie and Jed. Prepare yourselves. Prepare yourselves. The Mackie and Jed show rolls on. Bring it on! This is 1500 ESPN. These wins are tough. Uh... Wins in the NFL are tough. This was a, a crazy, sloppy game, um, and I thought our defense played um, wonderful, uh, giving us the opportunity. I believe it was five turnovers. Um, that's huge, so this one was big.
That was the great Nick Foles, uh, Collar and Doogie, in for Mackie and Judd today. And I think that Minnesota Vikings fans are feeling pretty good about the way the Philadelphia Eagles look. That if the Vikings down the road in the playoffs have to go into Philadelphia and play Nick Foles. We've seen Mike Zimmer defenses shut down really good quarterbacks this year, last year, 2015. Uh, shutting down Nick Foles the way he played last night would be no issue, I think, for this defense. It would just be whether the Vikings could score against the Eagles defense, which is pretty good, but it, they don't have any cornerbacks. I, I, I'm looking at this last night, this game last night, and wondering why Oakland didn't attack them down the field more often because their cornerbacks are brutal. So that like the Zimmer's defense has almost no weaknesses, where I think Philadelphia's has a pretty significant weakness there. Yeah, I mean, heck. I'm not quite sure Derek Carr is healthy. I was listening to the national radio broadcast yeah, on my yeah. way home last night. I was doing some TV last night. Boomer Esiason was making that point. I think he's right. Derek Carr isn't 100% healthy. But, yeah, you think about that double move Amari Cooper put on Jalen Mills for that 65-yard touchdown. You don't think Adam Thielen can do that or Stephon Diggs can do that? I mean, Diggs against Mills, Thielen against Mills. If you're a Vikings fan, my thought would be bring it on. Now, I think it might be a little dangerous to make the leap that Philadelphia can win a playoff game on January 13th or 14th, if the Eagles get the New Orleans Saints, for example, Mm -hmm. at Lincoln Financial Field, I'm picking the Saints to win that game. Yeah, me too. So I can see a scenario where the Vikings end up hosting, even as the two seed, hosting the NFC Championship game. I would not want to see the Saints if I'm if I'm the Vikings, I'm rooting yeah. for the Eagles in that game because the Saints have already seen you Ooh. once. So you'd rather play the Eagles in Philly. I would. I think you're right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. than New Orleans here. And Even it, though you just said you posted a story on 1500ESPN.com laying out the brilliance of the Vikings at US Bank Stadium. I think you're right, though. Give me the Eagles in Philadelphia. The Vikings' offense on the road over the last two years has been worse, but their defense has basically been just as good against opposing quarterbacks. Uh, Second best in opposing quarterback rating over the last two years on the road, and you're talking about facing Nick Foles, who I just don't believe is a very good quarterback at all. And I thought we saw all of his shortcomings last night, that he... It does not have great arm, great accuracy. He is he's pretty good at the short stuff from time to time, but he can't work the ball down the field at all and has trouble when he's pressured and all the same things that backup quarterbacks have. And you, you take a Mike Zimmer defense and put them against Nick Foles. I just don't see how they can beat the Vikings in that case. Whereas Drew Brees has gone on the road in the playoffs before. He's one of the greatest quarterbacks to ever play. Their two running backs are as dangerous as anyone in the NFL Mark Ingram and Elvin Kamara, and they actually have a defense now. I would be, and what happened in week one isn't anywhere close to what the New Orleans Saints look like now. Mm -hmm. So we could say, well, yeah, the Vikings beat them ages ago. We were young then. It's things have changed. Kamara at that time was, hey, this is kind of an intriguing guy they have, and now he's like a superstar player. So they figured everything out on offense and defense. Yeah, I would much rather go to Philadelphia and play a really bad quarterback as opposed to having a Hall of Famer come here. And I think the noise factor does impact opposing quarterbacks, but we're talking about Drew Brees. I mean, I I think he's been through that a million times in a million different stadiums. You have to root, I think, hard for Philadelphia to, to win their game so you get that matchup. 
Yeah, I'm with you. Now, if we play this thing out, I think the Rams win this Sunday. They beat the 49ers at home. So the Rams are your three seed. I think the Saints are your four seed. I think they end up winning the NFC South. I think the five seed then is Carolina. Then your six seed is either Atlanta or Seattle. I think the Rams beat the six seed, regardless of who it is, Atlanta or Seattle in Los Angeles. I agree. So I see the Rams playing the Vikings, just playing this thing out. The Vikings, by the way, in this scenario, they end up with the two seed. They beat the Bears on Sunday. Yeah, right. If they lose to the Bears, there are scenarios where they still end up as the two seed. It's like 95% the Vikings are the two. I actually see the Rams here January 13th Mm -hmm. or 14th, and I do see the Saints in Philadelphia. So if I'm playing this thing out, if I had to bet right now, it's Saints at Vikings January 21st for the NFC Championship. Well, you know, the Rams, they did beat the Rams, but I wouldn't overlook them either. No, I wouldn't. No, no. I mean, Todd Gurley is a different player now. They were down at least one key corner. You think about that Adam Thielen long touchdown against the Rams. That came against their fourth cornerback. uh, Does he put that move on the Rams' number one corner, number two corner? Right. So, yes, I'm with you. I would not automatically say, okay, the Vikings are beating the Rams. Hey, no problem there. The Vikings are playing January 21st. I'm just saying, I mean, we're doing crystal ball predictions later in the show. Here's an early crystal ball for you. Viking Saints NFC Championship. Isn't it? If you're a Minnesota sports fan in general, aren't you sitting here going, oh, it just figures. It just figures that the NFC is filled with monsters this year, right? I mean, every one of these teams has some sort of weakness. And you would say that for the Vikings, too, that uh, at the quarterback position, it's not certain that Case Keenum is Drew Brees, that you could be 100% confident going into the playoffs that he's going to be the quarterback to just drive you right to the Super Bowl. It's not like having Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. So you would point to that as the biggest area of concern. If you're playing Seattle, their offensive line isn't very good. Is the Saints defense just pretty good in the regular season, but not that good when the Bright lights are on. We haven't seen them really prove that. So every team's got a little bit of question mark. Is Jared Goff really that good, or has it just been system that'll get shut down in the playoffs? Uh, but, I I mean, these teams are, are as good as anybody. If you were just power ranking the NFL teams, you'd have the Patriots at the top. And then I think the, the next few are NFC teams outside of maybe Pittsburgh, but I think Pittsburgh also has some shortcomings, and they just beat the tar out of the Taylor Heineke-led Houston Texans yesterday. <laughs> he did get in the game. Taylor I did. Heineke I did saw. He game. got in. He completed a pass. He has more completions this year than one Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> then he got knocked out of the game. You think about it. <laughs> no, he was out of the game like coming. Well, yeah, I mean, you think about <laughs> Go back to, I remember... You were down there in Mankato. We drove down together multiple days. For a while there, you know, Keenan would throw an interception. Mm -hmm. He'd throw another interception. For a tiny second before the preseason game started, I was thinking there's a chance that Taylor Heineke beats out Case Keenum, that if the Vikings want to cut the cord on Keenum, it's not that expensive that Heineke can be the number two quarterback. <laughs> that was that was a real thing. I think at one point Mike Zimmer said, oh, they're kind of neck and neck. <laughs> and now we look, you know, as Keenum's going to lead him to the playoffs, and Heineke just got in his first game after being cut by some practice squads and things like that. Uh, I want to ask Kevin Seifert coming up next ESPN about the NFC playoffs, about the future of gambling in the NFL, and then we're going to get into what is going to happen in 2018 in Minnesota sports. Collar and Doogie. I'll rub my temples right now. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. You guys are spoiled. You guys are lucky. 
to have these guys. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Matthew Collar along with Darren Doogie Wolfson in for Mackie and Judd today. And we bring in our friend Kevin Seaford from ESPN. Kevin, uh, how are you? How's your Christmas? Not bad. How about yourselves? Oh, pretty good. Pretty good. I got uh, my grandparents bought me a Wolves hoodie, so now I got to be a Wolves guy. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I, I think I picked the right time because they're actually winning. So that's nice. I think um, the hoodie the hoodie aspect is good in this weather as well. Uh yeah, when I got in the car it said minus 7 today. So that was not yeah. that was not great. It's oh, also good God. for this studio when the normal host, one of the co-hosts is Mr. Hoodie. Oh yes. Yeah, yes. Uh, you'll never get quite to that level, but you can no. try. <laughs> no, the uh the All-Star hoodie from the 80s that uh Judd has, the NHL All-Star game hoodie from then is, is that's elite. That is elite hoodie game. Um <laughs> Kevin, after watching last night's game, should Vikings fans be rooting to go to Philadelphia to play Nick Foles? <laughs> I would think the entire NFC would be at this point. Anybody, uh, the Vikings, uh, the Saints, the uh, you know, really anybody who uh, the Rams, it's going to be uh, uh, you know, a Super Bowl contender in the NFC should have watched that game last night and been uh, been thrilled to see the uh, the struggles the Eagles are having offensively, especially. Um, and the apparent degree to which the Carson Wentz injury uh, really is going to affect them. I think we all knew that uh, intuitively that an MVP, uh, the loss of an MVP candidate um, would hurt them. But I don't know if anyone really had attributed you know, him to you know, single-handedly creating a Super Bowl-level team. And the evidence to this point has suggested that that's the case. Kevin, it looks like you can also pass on the Eagles, that the defense has been leaky the last few weeks. Now, the Raiders took advantage in that long touchdown, the Cooper double move on Jalen Mills. But I'm thinking if it's Vikings-Eagles on January 21st, Case Keenum in the passing game can have success. Yeah, I mean, those those defensive backs uh, sometimes are aggressive um, because they have uh, you know, a lot of uh, exotic pass rushes going on, and they can be aggressive because the assumption in that type of scheme is that the quarterbacks are going to be rushed and taken off schedule, and it works uh, to a large extent. But recently uh, we've seen some, some teams kind of burn them on those double moves, and you would think there's something that blatant that, like, okay, we see, clearly see what the problem is. That, you know, We're biting on double moves, so let's stop. You know, that, that Maybe that could be addressed on some level and not be so easily exploitable. Um, Jim Schwartz is their defense coordinator. Uh, you know, he was up and down as the head coach of the Lions, but I think most people feel like he's a pretty has a pretty good handle schematically of NFL defense. So it would be surprising if they just week to week keep getting beat on a on a very specific uh, route or specific technique. And so we'll see if they can address that. But yeah, I mean, and you go back and look at some of the scores of the Eagles games this year. I mean, they've they have given up some points, but once uh, you know, and last and two weeks ago would would against that Giants defense, uh, Nick Foles uh, was able to score enough points to, uh, to overcome it. But uh, certainly when you, get to the, when you get to the playoffs and you're playing good defenses and your high-flying explosive offense gets, uh, gets pushed back a little bit, um, your own defense has to step up, and that is a, definitely a concern right now for the Eagles. ESPN's Kevin Seifert joining us, Collar and Doogie, in for Mackey and Judd. Uh, Kevin, so who becomes the NFC's strongest team if we assume the Eagles are out of that conversation because of their quarterback? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to start with the Vikings. You know, I, um, it, it, they are playing as – they're filling all the the, uh, the boxes for what you would say uh, would be a Super Bowl favorite. They're playing 
as well, if not better, now than they were at, uh, at any other point in the year. And you always want to go into the playoffs playing your best football. And I think we can, for the most part, uh, say that the Vikings are doing that. Uh, they have uh, their defense is unmatched, I think, by any uh, NFC defense for sure. Um, and that is always a huge and sometimes under-discussed part of playoff success. Is that when you get to the when you get to the playoffs, you know everybody. Um, uh, a lot of teams get to the playoffs by scoring a lot of points, and then if you have a defense that can that can take that strength away from from other contending teams, then you already have a leg up. So that you know, right? And we and we discussed the Case Keenum and the offense and their explosiveness and the ability to get downfield pretty regularly this year. So you you look at the most balanced team and the team with the best asset, uh, it's the Vikings and their defense. And I I don't know if there'd be many NFL observers who would, who would argue strongly against that point. Let's presume Kevin, the Vikings are the two seed, even if they lose to Chicago, which I don't see happening, but even if they lose, there's still a good chance based on the other games playing out the way that they should play out. There's still a very good chance the Vikings are the two. So Let's look ahead to the weekend of January 13th. Let's continue those NFC power rankings. It looks like among the Panthers, Rams, and Saints, it looks like the sixth seed will be the Falcons or the Seahawks. So it looks like it'll be the Panthers, Rams, or Saints coming here January 13th or 14th. If you're the Vikings, who do you want to see the most? Who do you want to see the least among those three teams? Um, interesting. Uh, you know, normally you say you don't like to have the to- play a team for a second time or try to beat them for a second time in the playoffs. The Saints are a much, much different team than they were um, against uh, when, the, when the Vikings beat them earlier in the year. Uh, the one, I guess that what I would be afraid of um, if I were to be have any fear um, would be the Rams because they've been so, uh, they've defied every expectation throughout the year. Uh, I know the Vikings handled them pretty um, handily. But that Sean McVay is a really good coach offensively, um, and he—I would expect that he would identify some of the things that went wrong, and that they would not be quite as offensively inept, even against the Vikings' defense, if they were to play in the playoffs. Um, and that, you know, and that's to say that none of those three teams would I think would be favored to beat the Vikings. Um, but the one that would make me the most nervous. Uh, is it just the unknown that could come from the Rams if that were to be the case? And that, I guess that's my first blessed reaction. I know that Drew Brees is going to the Hall of Fame, and I know that uh, that uh, Cam Newton has won an MVP. Um, they're both tried and true in, in the playoffs um, and tested, but I guess I would just be nervous about the unknown that the Rams presented. Uh, who do you think right now, Kevin, is uh, Coach of the Year? When you bring up Sean McVay, I think he's got a really good argument for it. Although I think uh, me and Doogie could look good if we followed Jeff Fisher. I think, but um, <laughs> you know, I think he's got a he's got a really great argument for it. There's a number of other coaches. Doug Peterson also at the top of that list. Where does Mike Zimmer sit in that conversation for you? He should be up there. You know, I don't I haven't heard yet. It seems like the the Coach of the Year is always the coach who's. Uh, Team defies the media expectations for whose team defies the media expectations for what they were supposed to do. So, you know, Sean McVay has done a great job. The Rams are one of the NFL's better teams this year, but the big reason he's getting that uh, that discussion more than some of the other people are um, is that he uh, the Rams were terrible when, when he took over, and, and there weren't many expectations. Um, 
I think it's it's an underrated but 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 thorough discussion to to put Mike Zimmer near the top of that list when you think about uh, you know go, losing Sam Bradford after the first week of the season essentially for the year. Uh, no one thinking that Case Keenum would would be able to take, including maybe Mike Zimmer, who knows, would would be able to take them uh, where they to where they've gone and, and to lose Dalvin Cook, who you would assume they would have refocused their offense around over the long haul after the Bradford injury and losing him um, and then fielding uh, this great defense that we all know he's largely responsible for. So he's very much um, should be in that mix. I don't know what the, what the, the people who vote, and I don't have a vote, uh, will say, but um, traditionally, uh, for whatever reason, it's the team with the that has succeeded the most amid the, the least media expectations, and that probably puts uh, the Rams ahead, or Sean McVay ahead of Mike Zimmer there. Yeah, we don't even talk about Bill Belichick for this, and his yeah. team is the best in the league, and I think maybe that's just because he's done it so many times and, and because he's got Tom Brady. My yeah, argument... Should, I mean, really, he should be the coach of the year every year. I mean, it wouldn't even be fun. I mean, there's no... It's hard to... It would be hard to argue against the job that Bill Belichick does year in and year out, but that wouldn't be any fun. Yeah, it's kind of like LeBron where you could give him the MVP almost every single year. My Mm -hmm. argument for Mike Zimmer, I made it at our website today, um, just that this has kind of been four years in the making for Mike Zimmer, that his fingerprints are on every single element of this team, even if there's guys who were here before him. They draft Xavier Rhodes before him, but he plays such an integral role in developing Xavier Rhodes to a superstar. And uh, you could say the same thing for Everson Griffin. What did he have, five sacks the year before Zimmer shows up? Now he's one of the premier uh, pass rushers in the NFL, and you just see that all over this roster. And then the decision to put Pat Shermer in charge to create an identity for this offense uh, through the offensive line, the things, the, the changes that he made, and how he handled adversity, Kevin, much better this year than he did last yeah. year. Yeah, I and mean, the amazing point to make there is that this time last year, many of us, I know I was one of them, were wondering if we had in fact found out why Mike Zimmer hadn't gotten a head coaching job um, for all those years, despite the success he'd had defensively that that maybe he was too much of a you know introverted grinder and and not a guy who could capture a room in a way that would make players loyal and and wanting to run through the wall for him and then maybe he would not you know maybe he had made a a tremendous career altering altering mistake by not by hiring North Turner but by giving him such free reign that when things went poorly that there wasn't really a recourse for him to step in and be the head coach um, of the offense and so Last year, this time, it was you know they they were a me- you know from the outside they appeared to be a mess. Um, you know the the they the the there's no doubt that the transition to Shermer has gone as well as it possibly could have, and I'd imagine part of that is uh, the result of of Mike at least asserting his control as a normal head coach would, even with a defensive background, and just you know being able to participate in the in the development of the offense it, it makes a difference, um, and. Well, I think we also, you know, we also give uh, uh, Zimmer credit for identifying the type of players he needed. He needs to have a successful defense. We should also note that Rick Spielman is the one who went out and drafted them, and so they have together combined to, to, you know, you look at who's who's leading this defense, and for them, and for, other than Griffin, I would say, uh, you know, for the most part, they've all been drafted uh, under the under the Zimmer Spielman watch. Maybe Harrison Smith the year before as well, but. Uh, that that also goes into it, but it's been a tremendous turnaround. Um, and 
I think now you look at the big picture of, of Mike's career and you say the first year uh, Peterson gets suspended for the entire year, so that's a huge setback. The second year they win the division and should have won a playoff game were it not for the missed field goal. The third year um, all hell breaks loose. Uh, Bridgewater gets hurt, uh, you know, injuries throughout the offensive line. Zimmer has the eye injuries and they kind of crumble. But then for this year when things are more or less normal, they again are the division champion. So in the big picture, um, when things aren't completely chaotic and, and crumbling to, largely due to events beyond their control, they've been a pretty good team under, under him. Kevin, New Year's Day will also be Black Monday in the NFL. How many openings do you foresee as of next week, and how does Pat Shermer fit into that mix? Yeah, it's um, the, the, the early prediction numbers are as high as 10, maybe more, um, so a little bit less than a third of the league, which is kind of crazy, but that uh, you know, whenever you're one of the top teams in the league, teams are going to uh, at least look at your coordinators. And um, you know, I, I don't know how much George Edwards look George Edwards will get with everyone sort of knowing that Zimmer calls the plays and is largely the de facto defense coordinator. But Pat Shermer um, will get has gotten a lot of credit around the league for not only for finding a way to, to make it work a lot better than it had, but uh, really adjusting under a new quarterback, you know, encouraging uh, or finding a way to get Case Keenum to perform at a level that he had never come close to before. Uh, and losing Dalvin Cook is obviously a big uh, schematic thing that had to be uh, addressed as well, and they have found answers. So, you know, he's been a head coach before. Um, sometimes you don't count when the guy's been the Browns head coach in terms of evaluating uh, his performance because there's such dysfunction there anyway. But, um, you know, I would imagine at the very least he'll get interviews and it'll be up to him to, uh, to uh, impress the owners or uh, make a presentation that inspires somebody to hire him. But he'll certainly get in front of some people, I would think, this, uh, this, uh, in the next few weeks. Kevin, one last thing before we let you go. So we're going to spend the rest of the show giving some uh, predictions of what's going to happen in Minnesota sports in 2018. In the NFL, is there a change coming that you – kind of see in your crystal ball in 2018 i, I kind of think we talked we started talking about it that sports gambling at some point and maybe it's in 2018 starts to become more commonplace here or starts to be allowed by teams is is there something from a league standpoint that you think is going to change next year yeah i mean that's that's obviously something that all the big wigs have their uh, their eyes on um you know for many years, really up until very recently, the NFL has completely uh, frowned away from any level of sports gambling, um, largely out of concern, I guess, that that an association with it would threaten the idea that that these games are uh, are truly uh, you know reality based and not rigged and not. Uh, not getting into a position where you go way back in history and talk about the, the Chicago Black Sox, where uh, where teams where players were bought um, in baseball to uh, to throw the World Series, and so that would be a crippling. If that were ever to come in the NFL or any other sport now, that would be a crippling blow to the product that they're selling. So they have never, oh, um, they've always stayed away from it. But to be totally and completely honest, there's just way too much money in it now to uh, to avoid it. Um, there's really no way to prevent it. We all know that if you want to gamble on games, you can do it. So you might as well open it up, um, participate in the regulation of it, I guess, and uh, and everybody makes more money. And ultimately, they are a business. Um, they're not teaching uh, Sunday school class in terms of morality. 
and I think uh, it'll just be a matter of time before they get much more involved in it than they are right now. Kevin, really appreciate your time. Enjoy the rest of your holiday. Okay, thank you, guys. There's Thanks, a, Kevin. Kevin Seifert, ESPN. Love uh, to read his work. And uh, every once in a while, we get him to show up out at Winter Park as well and kind of rekindle his old days of being on the Minnesota Vikings beat. All right, let's talk. Let's start talking about 2018, Doogie. And uh, would love to get some predictions as well. If you have a thought about what's going to happen in Minnesota sports, doesn't matter what team, could be the Gophers, could be the Vikings coming up in the playoffs here, but I want your predictions on Twitter at Matthew Collar or at the 1500 account and uh, on the phones as well, 651-646-8255 or 877-615-1500. Feel free to drop in. Give us your prediction. What's going to happen 2018? We're going to start with the Vikings when we come back. Collar and Doogie in for Mackie and Judd. Mackie and Judd now continue. Stand aside, everyone. Mackie and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Hi, Matthew Collar and Darren Doogie Wolfson back here, 1500 ESPN. We're going to kick off our 2018 predictions in Minnesota sports. What do you see happening? Pick one thing that you believe is going to go down in Minnesota sports 2018. Feel free to give us a call, 651-646-8255, the number. And I think the best part, uh, best place for me to start, Doogie, is the Minnesota Vikings. And the most pressing question for 2018 is how deep they're going to go in the playoffs. But I don't know if I have a hot take on that because I could see it going so many different ways. I think where the conversation goes for me for 2018 is the quarterback situation and whether it's going to be Case Keenum, Sam Bradford, Teddy Bridgewater, Kirk Cousins, Tyrod Taylor, a number of different quarterbacks. You don't want Eli Manning up on the market. Eli Manning is is in that conversation for sure, and just by tradition, really, to get a quarterback who had won in some other place and has a great career, and then comes here at the end. So what you're saying is the quarterback situation could go any number of ways, much like the postseason could go any number of ways. Uh huh. But I feel more confident in my 2018 prediction for who the quarterback is mm. than for the playoffs. Really? The NFC is so okay. strong that, you know, the Vikings deserve to be at the top of that conversation, but the Rams are good, and who knows if Nick Foles has gotten hot before in his career and Drew Brees is great and all those. You know, you could just make an argument over and over again. I think Teddy Bridgewater is the starting quarterback to open 2018 for the Minnesota Vikings. That is my top Vikings quarterback prediction. All right, so. Reaction. Well, my reaction is I would put him like in the 1B to 2 category. I still make Case Keenum 1A, but I do think there's a scenario where Pat Shermer ends up with a head coaching job and that team needs a quarterback that Keenum goes there. Keenum's got a shrewd agent. He's worthy of at least $15 million a year. Are the Vikings willing to pay Case Keenum $15 million a year? I mean, one you know prediction you can absolutely guarantee yourself is Eric Kendricks, Daniil Hunter. I also think Anthony Barr's in this mix. Uh, Diggs probably needs Diggs extension. probably as well. That the Vikings are keeping those four guys with big money extensions in 2018. All those guys eligible for extensions. You know, at least Kendricks, Hunter, Diggs from that draft class. Barr heading into a contract year. So I think the Vikings keep all four of those guys. So do you have room to pay Keenum $15 million a year? You can get Bridgewater at a lesser number. We both know how much Mike Zimmer loves Teddy Bridgewater. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. Can I see Teddy Bridgewater being this team's starting quarterback in 2018? Absolutely. 
but I still would make Keenum the slight betting favorite. Harrigan, who is your uh, 2018 quarterback? Well, that's what's going to be fun. You mentioning the playoffs and the Vikings now looking at a depleted Eagles number one seed. If Case Keenum leads him to the Super Bowl, win it or not, but... I mean, to come back and look at the team and say, look what I did for you, boys. You're really going to go to Teddy now? Really? You're really going to go to Teddy now? Really, guys? God, it's going to be a fun offseason. All right, let's uh, take a break here. Let's get more into this. 2018 Vikings quarterback and your 2018 Minnesota sports predictions. Already getting some really good ones. Coming in on Twitter about the Wild. The Lynx repeating. That's not a hot take. That is not a hot take. The it Lynx would be a hot take because the they only win in odd years. Oh, they don't win in even oh, years. Okay. All right. Fair point. 2018 quarterback and your 2018 predictions for Minnesota sports, including the Vikings in the playoffs. Collar and Doogie in for Mackie and Judd.